0: Around the NFL Podcast. Explains their jokes to make sure you got them. <laughs> it's important. From the Chris Wesling Podcast Studio. It's around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler, the flagship show. Did you notice that? Did you notice I just did there? It's around the NFL. I didn't want to double dip on the podcast, right? As we discussed last week, and I'm now I'm workshopping it. How did that sound? Good. Well, Sounded you're a, very natural. Yeah,
1: you're a skilled broadcaster. Who I, you know, every couple of months, um, we just see you taking the next leap, and that was part of that process. I think. All
0: right. Well. All right. Well, let me know. Uh, actually, don't tell me. I don't care. I'm going to start saying it that way. And if there's a real uprising amongst the fans, I think it was an improvement. I'll send it back. Okay. That's I, it. The
1: uprising with the fans, we can, you know, let's move on to new things at this point. There's been a lot of that.
0: Week nine in the NFL. It it it, it existed to remind us this Sunday, again, and this is important, that we don't know shit. <laughs> and that and that's that's good. That's what makes our league so fun. There were multiple outcomes today that kind of turned turned the league on its ear a little bit and makes you think about both the AFC and the NFC differently. We're going to get into those games, Greg. I mean, you were, I'm sure you were stunned. I can't, the way our seating arrangement is in the newsroom now, I can't really see you. I hear sounds (coughs) emanating from your area, but I can't see your reactions as much as at the old place. Were you stunned by some of the outcomes today?
2: Oh uh, no, I expected Teddy Bridgewater to go into Dallas and lead them to a thirty to nothing lead with five <laughs> minutes left, tripling them in yardage. That's what the team of THAL does. Oh, no, he's I mean, back. No, I mean, just kidding. It was it was shocking.
0: And the and my yeah, my morning games were were delightful. I, I'm excited. Do you think Von Miller, who by the way was in an inactive tonight for Sunday Night Football, uh, as he gets um, recovers from that ankle issue? Do you think he was a little annoyed when he saw that today? Even though he's like, I love Denver. The Broncos are part of me forever. Like when they go to Dallas and go up 30 zilch and shock the football world, they think he's like, well, we didn't need to do I
1: that. Th- I think that we would like to think he's annoyed. But I mean, as people, you know, we've all been away at times when this show occurs. Me, you know, recently for a stretch. And you don't want the show to be Ooh. that much better without you. And then when you find out maybe that it is, it's Ooh. like... I don't know if I like that dynamic. Interesting,
2: Ouch, Interesting. insight. Yet uh, they won. What two. you would they disagree? Won. They won two without Von Miller. I don't think he's so much focused on that, <laughs> but I know I think there's another guy in Green Bay that was that was just fine watching their offense look like it was 1954.
0: Yes, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> showed his whole ass last week, and because of it, <laughs> uh, he did not play on Sunday, leaving Jordan Love at the controls. It did not go so well for the Pack. Let's start. Mahomes moving to his right, trying to keep the play alive. Still moving. He fires it on the run. First down at the Green Bay 35-yard line. Tyreek Hill on a 13-yard reception. Mahomes able to move to his right at 90 degrees and finds Tyreek Hill, who leads the National Football League on third-down receptions for first downs. I wish he said our league. That would have been Mitch Holtus nailed that call. WDAF, but I wanted an hour league in a big spot. It was yet another slog on offense for the Chiefs, but when it mattered most, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill showed they can still make some magic together. The QB and wideout connected on that 13-yard completion that clinched a 13 to 7 win over the Packer over the Packers at Arrowhead. Greg Green Bay's offense struggled to find its way with Jordan Love at quarterback, uh, but you know what? Kansas City has turned winning ugly into a necessity, let's face it.
2: They, they're winning ugly in, in such a different way than when they were winning ugly at the tail end of the last regular season when they kept winning close, high-scoring games. Now they're winning close, low-scoring games or the offense is you know, turning the ball over. When they were turning the ball over, that like sounds like a, a light problem compared to what we've seen the last couple of weeks. This is just an offense that isn't moving the ball. And yet, I know Chiefs fans are annoyed with everyone talking about them that, like, they're like a 1-8 and team. They won this game with defense. They've played really good defense for 10 straight quarters. Uh, They got some fortune on special teams, I would say, between a blocked field goal. They get a little credit for that. A missed field goal. And then a a totally botched punt by the Packers. The Chiefs special teams basically scored nine points. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was as big a difference in this game as anything. But you have to look at what Steve Spagnolo did on defense in terms of cooking up Jordan blitz, Love. Blitz, blitz, blitz. Love went 6-for-17 for 30 yards against the Blitz. So a part of the game plan was working, and they kept hammering it over and over and over, uh, basically until the fourth quarter when the Packers finally started moving the ball a little.
1: It was for games that I think we get excited about the concept of the worst game of the year in terms of what we were forced to watch to some degree. I mean, I I left a questioning a little bit. If you are the people that have been you know in charge of developing Jordan Love, he's been in the building for 24 games and forget the COVID offseason, but let's say one full... Real off season and hundreds of practices, and he looked today like watching a high school game where someone is being thrown into quarterback for the first time. I, I, I to me, it, it clou- I said on our Friday network show that it was a good, a, maybe a blessing in disguise for Green Bay to see Jordan Love and what he could offer in a big spot like this. He offered not nothing, but less than nothing to some degree, and I think it leaves you a little cloudy with what the future is if Aaron Rodgers does want to bolt out of here.
0: I see what you're saying. I guess I didn't come out of this game thinking that he's not any good or should have been better. I, I still think it was a tough situation to kind of come into on the road in that environment. I know Kansas City's defense isn't very good, uh, but I didn't come out of it feeling like, oh, man, this is this is a major issue. One thing I did get annoyed with was some of the online uh, takes coming out of this game, like that this was somehow – Aaron Rodgers nailed this. And it's like uh, one tweet of a blank check, like Aaron Rodgers smiling. It's like, whoa, Aaron Rodgers cost his team this game because Aaron Rodgers on the field. They win. I'm sorry. The way Kansas City's playing right now, the way they played once again, I'm just going to go through this. And Greg, you had mentioned it um, downstairs, or I guess it's on the same floor. We're on the same floor as the newsroom. Um, They had the opening touchdown drive. And then real quick, this was like their yardage and the. Um, outcome of the drives before they sealed the game on that Tyreek reception. Seven yards, loss of downs, 25 yards punt, nine yards punt, four yards field goal, 25 yards gain, field goal, halftime, zero yards punt, seven yards punt, 39 yards punt, negative one yards punt. That is what's happened to Kansas City's offense. And if you have Aaron Rodgers in the game there, they're eight and one right now, and he wasn't, and they're not, and that's something to keep in mind. I think we should also point out
2: Eric Stokes, the rookie first-round pick, who's played well at cornerback, especially without Al- Jair Alexander, got hurt in pregame warm-ups, didn't play. Alexander, as I mentioned, didn't play. Kenny Clark, uh, so good up front, got hurt early, didn't play uh, the rest of the game after that. Zadaria Smith, of course, has been out all year. This was a totally banged-up Packers team that lost two key starters during the game, and that is... The spot where you expect the Chiefs' offense just to roll. If it wasn't for the special teams blunders and the short fields, I don't know how this game looks. But for Mark to uh, you know go on about Jordan Love, kind of like Troy Aikman did, I think was warranted. I I get all the like defense of Jordan Love and the reasons why this was a difficult spot and everything, but he he played as he looked about as unready for a starting job as any quarterback. that that I've seen play a game this year. Like, if Davis Mills was out there and had this game, we'd all kill Davis Mills for his first start playing this game. Like, he wasn't ready to do two-minute hurry-up situations. He was really... They were struggling with the play clock. You can put this on the coaching staff, too, that, like, he wasn't ready. But he was also just missing passes. I think his stat line is misleadingly decent. Um, But I, I think if you watched... The snaps, it's just one start, but it was a concerning start. It's like maybe it looks like listen, it's just one. I agree with you. It's a beginning, but it takes a lot for Troy Aikman to go as nuts as he was going. He was pulling his hair. He
1: was unpleased with it. But I mean, then, you know, his line was better than Mahomes for much of this game, which is equally stunning. And Mahomes has 36 incompletions over two
0: weeks. And I guess I'm saying criticize Jordan Love for playing poorly because he did. He's a professional. But be mad at Aaron Rodgers for putting his team in this That's situation. That's totally that, fair. That, that is what. And, and before we move on to the next game, again, this is weird. And we're getting used to it now, but it doesn't change the fact how weird it is. The Chiefs finished with 237 yards of total offense at Arrowhead Field, a place where Arrowhead Stadium, a place where that would not be a – that's like a decent halftime total yardage for them in their heyday. They've done that in one quarter in the past, averaging less than four yards per play. That's where the Chiefs are halfway through the season. They're five and four. Mm. There's time, but there's a lot of trouble in Kansas City. Let's move on. The potential hero is coming on. Will be a 36-yarder. Tucker hit from 37 in the first half. Game on the line. 20 seconds left in overtime. Nick Moore with the snap. Tucker's kick is up. And it is good! The Ravens have won it in overtime. The Hayes in the barn, and the Ravens are 6-2. Jerry Sandusky with the call. WBAL nobody climbed into the booth to try to get to the bar. (laughs) Again, not enough was made. The crazed military woman... Climbing into the booth because there was booze in there. Where's the booze? Uh, there's a lot going on there. It's like I'm rewatching Mad Men right now when they had all the booze in all the offices. No booze in our office. Not, at least not that they know of. But I mean, you said she was a crazed military
1: woman. If that's accurate, she's probably going to see the world differently than, than through a different lens than you, but you might.
0: I'm perhaps a drunken military sure. woman. She was not having her best day. Anyway, Justin Kicker, oh, <laughs> Justin Tucker kicked a 36-yard field goal, 16 seconds left in overtime, pulling the Ravens ahead of the Vikings for good. 34-31 was the final, I think is the third overtime for both teams this year, which is uh, a lot, and the AFC North leading Ravens rallied from a 14-point third-quarter deficit Uh, in overtime. Anthony Barr made a tremendous play, leaping in the air on a Lamar Jackson attempt when they were moving into field goal range batting it up in the air, coming down for the interception. And then Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense comes on the field. And you want to talk about offenses that are in a little bit of trouble right now. Three and out. Bye-bye. Kick it away. Never get the ball back. Um, Baltimore marches down the field, kicks the field goal. And the reason why that was such a crusher to go so quickly uh, three and out after that potential game-changing interception and in overtime was Baltimore – was on the field, their offense, all game. Minnesota's defense was cooked. The Vikings only ran 52 plays in an overtime game. The Ravens, that final kick was the 89th play of the game for the offense of the Ravens. So there are a lot of issues right now, uh, Mark, with the Minnesota offense, which does this weird thing where they get out of the gate super hot. And I reached out to LA research on this because it felt like they score a touchdown every week on their first drive and then go cold. That's Six. a Dan
1: Hansis shout out.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right, Paul Rudd. Uh, the Vikings have now scored 41 points on their first possessions this season. Five touchdowns, two field goals, one punt. And then they just go ice cold. And it happened again in this game and it cost them. And they are slipping out of the playoff picture as a result.
1: It's who they are. I, I, I think we all know Vikings fans. I kind of want to wish that I could like knit a sweater for every Vikings fan out there because they're having a terrible. It's just they're heartbroken at this point. This is how like this for the
0: from on the flip side. This was Baltimore's. That's the nicest thing that you could do for them. Like you don't have any experience in that in realm as a. It also would take. About
1: seventeen thousand hours, but with it's the, it's the say. thought. It's the thought. This though from Next Gen Stats kind of told me a lot about both teams. It was Baltimore's fourth win this season, where they had a win probability of fifteen percent or lower at some point in the second Ugh. half. They're up by fourteen points twice in this game, but a lot of it has to do with. You're playing the Vikings, so you know it's going to go down to the end. You know they're going to be streaky. They're going to be – you're going to get your Kirk Cousins moments. I, I, they've got so much talent on offense, and Dalvin Cook had a good game. Justin Jefferson. Like, I just – you know, it's like somehow they cannot find a way to seal Dalvin these Cook contests. Dalvin really
0: have a good game. Dalvin Cook had a 66-yard run that was beautiful uh, in the first half of this game. We'll have to track that more closely. And but. did nothing else uh, for the most part, and that was the thing, like – and this is what's weird about their offense, Greg. And we're going to get to the winning team because that's more important. But that first drive, they're awesome. When their backs are against Next the wall. Next drive,
2: they scored a touchdown, too, to go up 14 nothing, right? And then, right, then it first went two. really cold. <laughs> so
0: they went, yeah. So they start off hot. And from that, from that second score till they got a kickoff return for a touchdown out of the half. And then they go ice cold all around that until they actually they absolutely have to score at the end of regulation, and they get that touchdown too. There's just some type of urgency issue with the team. And and Baltimore, I will I will give them this they they are not they are imperfect. Greg, remember you talking before the trade deadline? This team needs to make some moves on the deadline. They did. They tried. Some reports have come out that they tried to make some moves to make their roster better. It's an imperfect roster, uh, but again, they showed why they are a winning organization. They hung around in this game. Kept kept on coming back and eventually broke Minnesota's will. We're just getting used to these Lamar Jackson games where they're down two touchdowns. It's
2: funny to think how the M.O. on him was like, well, they can't they can't fall behind in games. And he ends up with 120 yards rushing and then the 268 and the three touchdowns and the two interceptions passing like this. This is just sort of what the Ravens are this year. But they did pile up 36 first downs. The fact that they were able to run the ball uh, to me is a good sign moving forward because they really haven't it not it wasn't just lamar it was Devontae freeman even Le- Le'Veon bell who i really thought would be cut <laughs> by now um but it hasn't happened uh
0: got had some yards. yeah no he did he did some things in this game and uh so yeah the ravens are an imperfect machine but if, as long as lamar jackson's healthy and upright three touchdown passes 120 yards rushing he's just he's so special and um he kind of carried them to this win the,
2: the vikings have not lost by more than one score all year you, oh, that's you, who they are. If you look at their, like, so they, they have one game where they beat Seattle convincingly. Every other game has come down to the end, essentially. And they've had some of the most heartbreaking losses of the year week after week. Even that week one Bengals game where it was like the fumble was overturned. Then the Greg Joseph play. You lose to Cooper Rush last week. You lose this one after the big lead. Like, it's it's
1: one after another. Mike Zimmer, hot seat. Welcome to it. Sit on it. Ah! All
0: right. Let us move on. Hands off Benjamin off the left side of the 15. He trucks a DB and walks into the end zone for his first touchdown. And maybe put this one out of reach. Oh, yeah. Dave Pass with the call for KTAR. No Kyler Murray. No New Hopkins. No problem for the Cardinals who roll up over 400 yards of offense behind dudes like Colt McCoy. Yeah, Marky, James Conner, and Eno Benjamin, who put the exclamation point on a 31-17 win by trucking Dre Kirkpatrick into Middle Earth. Let's now welcome in Nick Shook, who will help tell you why Arizona had so much success in a division road game where everything was stacked against them. Pipe?
3: (laughs) Everything was stacked against them except for Colt McCoy. Completed 22 of 26 passes, and 20 of his completions were less than 10 air yards. You know what that means? I'm (laughs) taking what the defense gives me. I'm dumping it off, and I'm letting the rest of my guys do the work. An underrated strategy,
0: honestly. An underrated strategy that more quarterbacks uh, would do well for themselves to follow. Take what the defense gives you.
3: Yeah, it sounds so simple, right? It it was simple on his uh, screen pass to James Conner. It really kind of captured the state of the 49ers defense at this point, which is, let's make a tackle in the open field, guys. I mean, it was strange because he caught that screen pass, ran across the field, and and I'm waiting for another defender to appear from off screen into the picture, and it just never happened. He just sprinted his way to the end zone for a touchdown. That was basically the entire day for the 49ers defensively. Plenty of missed tackles, didn't do their job very well, let Colt McCoy put up his best passer rating since his rookie season in the NFL when he was back with the Browns. I'm sure Mark remembers so fondly, and it was a the 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 cardinals essentially rolled to this victory. The 49ers didn't put up much of a fight. In fact, it wasn't as close as the final score even indicated. A depressing day. Another depressing day at Levi's mm. Stadium for the faithful.
1: Yeah, it's been terrible there. You know, Dan mentioned you know, in the office, it doesn't feel like the Niners have no home field advantage. They keep getting wiped there. They've lost eleven of twelve home games. Um, the Cardinals, I think, have won six of seven against them in San Francisco. It's not even in San Francisco. It's like forty minutes away in a windswept terrain in a less, you know, a lesser version of Candlestick Park. And Cliff Kingsbury is out coaching Kyle Shanahan. The Niners' team, to me, looks as discombobulated as ever under Kyle Shanahan and you cannot blame injuries you cannot blame the lack of a starting quarterback they've got two of them they think can be starters they've given up the farm for their rookie and they look completely completely lost to me i think it's one of the more depressing developments around
2: well it's not shocking to me that their defense you know forces a couple turnovers the the Kittle fumble and the Ayuk fumble helped change this game the, the 49ers moved the ball decently well it, that doesn't shock me. Cardinals defense has been frisky all year. It, it shocks me that the 49ers defense, Shook, couldn't hold up better in a game without Nuke. I mean, it's not just you're without Kyler Murray. You're without DeAndre Hopkins and you're without A.J. Green. And I, I think it does point out to Mark's point, like, Kingsbury's done a great job coaching. His entire coaching staff has done well. And that the supporting players, specifically James Conner and Christian Kirk, have showed up before this game. Now, this was the game they needed to really, you know, carry this offense, uh, but they've been good all year. And I've been so impressed that this offense, like the breadth of the talent that they have,
3: it's not just Kyler Murray. Yeah, when they're fully healthy, you're, you're amazed at the, at the amount of talent that they have out there. But you're right, they were missing a lot today. So you thought maybe it'd be Rondell Moore's day to shine, right? Well, he only had five catches for 25 yards. He wasn't a huge factor in this game. It's the other guys. And that's really what points to what you have to be encouraged by when you look at a team is how do you weather the injuries? Because every team gets injuries. Every team loses guys. How can you weather the storm and come out there and still play complete football? And they proved today and I know it's the 49ers. I don't know really even how to, what to think about the 49ers, but we can get to that in a second. It does prove to me, though, that this team is built for the long haul and, and, and bouncing back after a loss like they suffered on Thursday night against the Packers. I was extremely impressed with how well prepared they were, how they executed, and how they went on the road and made it look pretty easy. And Connor finished
0: with 173 yards from scrimmage. He leads the NFL in touchdowns with 11. If you got him into the mid to the late, portion of your fantasy draft congratulations on the money that's coming your way (laughs) he scored all those touchdowns in the past uh seven games and yeah I think it's like one of those things where you're on the road it's a division game San Francisco was coming off a big week where it looked like they might be ready to turn it around I thought this was going to be a really uh good day for the 49ers uh and the Cardinals ability to win while also giving uh Kyler Murray the opportunity to rest the bad ankle to let Nuke sit a full week now get two weeks off with the hamstring that could pay dividends. So you kind of, you get, what do they call you? You have your cake and you eat it too. You got to rest the most important guys. Was that it?
2: Yeah. That's no, that's, I mean, the cake. Yeah. That's what you do with the cake. I think it's like
1: from medieval times. Like when, when, you know, yeah.
0: So that's what they did shook. They, they got to rest their guys. That's going to help them in the long term. And they got the W and they kind of killed the 49ers now who, by the way, yeah, they're three and five. That's last place in the West. Uh, tied with Seattle,
3: they're 0 4 at home. Uh, they kind of put a rival to bed potentially here. Yeah, they even got to lick the frosting off the knife afterward. I mean, it, it was a it was an experience where they just they had a, a great time. Uh, everything's kind of going right for them, even with these injuries not playing in their favor. And 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 it's it's encouraging. I, I mean, again, like it, Every time you think about these games, you have to think about matchup, and it's well, who they who they play and. And at this point in the season, typically there are still a lot of question marks, but I just don't see a lot of bright spots for these 49ers going forward. Just the way that they, I know they've lost some guys, but the injury excuse does not hold up this year like it did last year, for example, right. or the, in previous years in the Jimmy Garoppolo era.
2: The NFC is weird because that seven seed is going to be wide open for every mediocre team to be going after for a while. So 49ers aren't giving up on their season because they got five losses. Everyone right. in the NFC has got four or five losses, you know, looking for that spot, but you are, you know, five games behind the Cardinals. And that, and you are in this lower region of the NFL, and you are getting more criticism if you're Kyle Shanahan than you ever have. I mean, he punted at on a fourth down from the Cardinals' 39-yard line while down three scores. The fans in the put fourth down quarter. their wine
0: and cheese to boo that. Right. Yeah. It, it was.
2: He also kicked a field goal down 17 inside the 10-yard line late and. Kyle Shanahan has always been conservative when it comes to decisions like that, surprisingly. Uh, but now you're going to notice it more because you know, this is just a losing team. Losing what a board. night for Colt McCoy. And your boy, <laughs> your son,
1: your son's Both. namesake took out your wife's favorite team. That's uh, a, you know, it's sort of a microcosm of our household on some level. So there you, you go. Know,
0: if you guys have noticed so far, the listeners shook and Sessler in the great moods today, uh, Colt McCoy stepping up. And after this break, Uh, You're going to really learn why these guys are floating. But I just want to share something with the audience here. You can't have your cake and eat it too is a popular English idiomatic proverb or figure of speech. Proverb literally means you cannot simultaneously retain your cake and eat it. Once the cake is eaten, it is gone. It can be used to say that one cannot have two incompatible things. Or that one should not try to have more than is reasonable. Well, guess what? The Cardinals got it all on Sunday. We'll be right back. And turns, gives, Chubb runs 30, 35. There he goes 40, 45, 50. There he goes 40. He's running to the river. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. Is he in the river yet? He's in the river. (laughs) He's in the river. Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon with a call. WKRK. Baker Mayfield threw two touchdown passes. Denzel Ward had a 99-yard pick six. And Nick Chubb, that guy, iced the game with that long TD run. The Browns cap a crazy week by beating up on the Bengals in Cincy, 41-16. Mark, I don't know if the season ends well for the Browns, if it ends with a deep playoff run, if it ends with the playoffs at all, who knows, but I know. I know they're not going to miss Odell Beckham.
1: No. And I, I think Browns fans have to be extremely proud with this performance because I thought, the you know, after what happened this week, uh, about as messy a situation as you could imagine um, in Kevin Stefanski's era, because it's been real smooth otherwise, he has been the same guy throughout, Kevin Stefanski. This was a huge game for him. hes They've done an excellent job rebounding after tumultuous games. And this was another example coming off of a rough week where I thought the real stars of this team stepped up. And Odell Beckham was never a real star on this team. Nick Chubb, you mentioned it, but... It was also a defense that's been real up or down this season. The best day they've had by the secondary. You mentioned Denzel Ward. Troy Hill, three sacks, the most sacks by... A defensive back in Browns history in a game. Greg Newsome is becoming a star in that secondary. They did a great job on Jamar Chase, whether they were doubling him or having to take him out in a one-on-one coverage at times. And they made life really difficult for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And on offense, at one point, they had 30 plays and 34 yards in the fourth quarter. It wasn't a typical Browns game where maybe you have long drives. Where you're just working on, you know, getting the clock down in the fourth quarter. This was a big play offense today, along with the Denzel Ward 99 yard pick six they had a 60 yard touchdown donovan people jones had two big catches and i thought the baker stepped up you know and did what he needed to do and after the game you know he he refused to say anything negative about odell he refused to say
0: yeah he 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 said i'm we're moving on they haven't spoken since uh but he is moving on and he also has this to say about the browns effort we'll take wins any way we can
3: get them i came here to win i've said it over and over again that's why i was brought here to change the culture to help change the culture um, and continue to contribute, you know, towards that winning attitude. And, you know, our guys are bought in, they focused up and did their job. And um, that needs to be a week to week thing.
0: Shooky. I thought this is one of the biggest games in Baker's career because uh, things have a chance, had a chance to snowball after the Odell uh, fiasco and by de- delivering a big performance by the whole offense thriving, it kind of, at least for one week puts that to bed And makes people think, okay, maybe the Browns. That was the whole thing about the Odell situation. It never felt like a sinking ship. This is a talented team with a lot of upside. And this game was a nice reminder.
3: Yeah, you know, you could have said this is Berea burning down to the foundation again, as it has so many times in the history of the Browns since they returned to the NFL, because it felt like that during the week. But it's a credit not only to Kevin Stefanski, but also to Andrew Berry for acting firmly uh, in this whole situation and trying to keep the organization on a charted course forward and then delivering on Sunday. What it really was, was offensively, this was the Browns offense, not quite at its peak, but in its purest form, which is executing the offense according to the way it's designed. Baker going through his progressions. Targeting and throwing to the open man accurately for most of the game, missed a couple passes, but operating within the offense instead of trying to feed the ball to one. disgruntled receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. I look at their stats and I think Jarvis Landry had the most catches and I didn't even really notice that he was out there because he didn't put up much statistically. But then if you look at the entire receiving court, nobody really did other than Donovan Peoples-Jones' long touchdown pass. And that's by design. That's when the Browns are at their strongest offensively is when they're balanced, they don't feed one guy, they don't rely on one guy, and then they give it to Nick Chubb to hammer it home. He ends up with over 130 yards, 70 of that on one long touchdown run that kind of was the nail in the coffin of this game. It was a complete performance their best performance this year without a doubt and just a, a a stunning response to the week that was because i can tell you being in cleveland listen to the feeling was I love it. this is this is a disaster we're coming toward a disaster if they don't win the wheels are going to completely fall off it was <laughs> it was almost like a funeral because of the departure of odell and the division that it created among the fan base and the people here so for them to come out and win and not only just win but win in dominant fashion Uh, It says a lot about the organization, who they once were and who they're still trying to become. Right.
2: And when in Cincinnati, where they thought they were going to be the fun rising like 2020 Browns type team. Uh And they're sitting here looking at a 41 to 16 loss. And they're thinking, do what can we do to get Jamar Chase unlocked? Jamar Chase and the targets thrown to him, to me, have been one of the big reasons why they've lost these last two games. They talked after the Jets game about, you know, the way the Jets played them. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase last week really created a lot of problems. They basically sold out to stop Jamar Chase going deep. They've thrown it to him 22 times in the last two games for six, for 64 yards. That can't be right. Uh, but not uh, for 49 yards this game and like 30 before. They've been extremely efficient and they haven't had the other guys step up enough. And the defense, which felt like it was like a. The getting by on grit and hustle and energy and cohesion for the first six, seven weeks of the season hasn't really
1: come through. I think teams are like, there's much more attention being put on chase, obviously. And that was the case today early And Cleveland's secondary, which has been, you know, quietly very banged up all season long, had a lot of guys back today. And you kind of saw what we talked about all off season because John Johnson made big plays like this is the defense that you thought you were getting.
0: With seven minutes to go uh, last Sunday, the Bengals were 5-2 and two and looking like they were going to stay on top of the AFC. Since the last seven minutes of last Sunday and then four quarters today, they've been outscored 55-16. So something's going wrong, and the Zach Taylor celebration and the Captain Lou Albano celebration, well, they got to get something fixed real quick or this season is going to go down the drain. Let's move on to the Meadowlands. He takes the snap. He's back. He's looking left the whole way. He throws it left and. Intercepted by the Giants. McKinney down the right sideline. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Giants. Xavier McKinney with his first career pick six. Versace bump? More like Versace banged. Bob Papa with a call for K-W-A-F-A-N. Xavier McKinney, and Ritter, you know, because he was banged. No, I hear you. It makes... Proceed. You guys are an incredible audience. Proceed. Returned an interception, 41 yards for a touchdown early in the second half and picked off another Aaron throw by Derek Carr late as the Giants picked up a 23-16 win over the Raiders. Shooky, the Giants put together another strong defensive effort, and this time they're rewarded with a win.
3: Yeah, you know, this is probably the third straight game, and even though they lost to the Chiefs the prior week, that – that they really played well defensively. This time, though, they came through in the clutch. You know, whether it was the Xavier McKinney pick six, the Xavier McKinney pick late on a terrible pass. Both of them were terrible passes by Derek Carr or just getting after Mm. Derek Carr, uh, you know, capped off with a strip sack to basically end the game. Uh, I think it was Quincy Roche was the, was the person who, who who recorded the sack there to really just put a capper on a quite a performance for them. They didn't really need to do that much offensively. They're still kind of the same Giants offensively, but because the defense kept them in the game and they converted their own field goal opportunities and Daniel Carlson missed a field goal, And most importantly, they stood tall in the red zone. The Raiders were one for six in red zone opportunities and one for two in goal-to-go situations today. The Raiders did not convert. You could say, hey, what's wrong with the Raiders and everything else? But you also got to give a ton of credit to the Giants and the way that they're playing defense. That front's starting to get after quarterbacks. The back end not playing too shabby either, and uh, they come away with a win. That I mean, MetLife was rocking today. They they were I think they were stunned by the end. I can't believe we actually pulled this off. They were waiting for mm. everything to come crashing down, and it didn't. And it's a good one for Joe Judge's bunch. That's
1: after like a couple games at MetLife where you could audibly hear the crowd. Um, their hideous displeasure with this Giants team. I feel like, you know, going back to even last season, though, one of the better coordinator hires has been Patrick Graham. Uh, he's done a nice job. And, like, he like this Giants defense last year, I think, was ninth in points allowed. They've been up and down this year to some degree, but this was more of a signature win, the way that you'd want a Giants win to be on defense.
3: This is the first yeah, game. It, it... Oh, go ahead, Chuck. No, go ahead, Dan. All you.
0: I was just going to say this is the first game for Vegas since... The Henry Ruggs uh, tragedy uh, where a woman's life was taken in a uh, car crash in Vegas and uh, the Raiders perhaps, um, you know, coming off that and in tune with the struggles to score points today. Uh, it was reported by Mike Garofolo that Deshaun Jackson is expected to sign with the team. Uh, he'll receive more than the veteran minimum in his contract. So they make a move to try to replace Ruggs on the roster and add a little juice to that offense.
3: Yeah, it's going to help them a lot because they they flat out missed that element today. I mean, they just did. They did, they couldn't push the ball down the field. I know Carr finishes close to 300 yards passing, but it was it was quite an exercise to get there. And um and it, and it certainly showed when they needed it late. They just didn't have the same firepower that they've had in previous weeks. It kind of reminded me of that game they played against the Bears, where you just wondered. Where are the Raiders? Did they forget to bring their ability to play football at home? This is kind of what happened to them again today. So we'll see how quickly Djax fits into the offense and everything else. But the fact that you have a threat to take the top off, even at his age, um, should help them at least offensively more than they were today. And that, and and you know, Josh Jacobs had a decent day statistically, but they just lacked a presence with the ball, and, and above all, they lacked the ability to execute when it mattered. Wait, most. if Carr turns
2: over the ball three times, they're going to lose. They they outgained yeah. it by 150 yards. You know, Daniel Jones gets 110 yards passing and a you know another lost fumble to the ledger and they manage to get a win. It almost feels like karma coming back for the Giants because I feel like they've played well in a lot of losses. And so you, you get an ugly win. And, you know, spoiler alert, you know, I know we haven't gotten to the entire AFC West, but they're they're all flawed. They all have five wins like it's I, I don't think any of them uh, should be that disappointed where they are in the season right now in terms of the Raiders being five and three. It's like these are all teams that are going to be competitive. They're going to get, you know, none of them are going to dominate the AFC and it's totally
0: wide open. After everything that's happened with the Raiders in just half a season from Gruden and now Ruggs, um, you know, they're a hard team to get a beat on. Would it? Would it, can you rule out them again tumbling out of this race? You can't. Can you see them sticking around? Yes, you can, because Derek Carr has been so much better this year. But one thing they will always uh, be sure of uh, when you're trying to study what's going on with the Raiders: they will stink after the bye week. They are now three and sixteen after a week off over the last nineteen years. I don't know what the, doesn't matter. The coaches or the roster is. <laughs> The Raiders stink after a bye. And they have the
1: Chiefs and Bengals up next. Two other teams we're trying to figure out. So Uh, good luck to you. I would
0: say uh, two weeks ago, we would have said that's a brutal slog ahead. Uh, Now we say, okay, those are winnable games. Shook, uh, we win because of you. Good man. Thank you for joining us, (laughs) you hero. And enjoy the Nikes. I know Colt McCoy stepping up. The Brownies delivering a a big performance. It's going to be a party in the gym tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Two
3: things. Uh, Colt McCoy has earned Cleveland's respect forever for trying to gut out that Thursday night game in which James Harrison knocked his lights out. And then he Bingo. re-entered the game. Uh, and he almost got hit like that again today. I was sitting there going, oh, God, I, he almost got his night, light, lights knocked out again. And the other thing is, Dan, as crazy as that 3-16 and 16 stat in the last 19 yes. years is, I got one stat that's worse for you off the top of my Let's head. Let's hear it. The Browns home opener record. It's terrible. <laughs> no, it's absurd. Or, what? or the Browns it's such week a, one record. It's such it's a terrible.
0: Browns fan thing. Why are you bringing that up today? Right. Just enjoy the it's, it's a
1: good week one nugget, though. Next week one, you should bring, know, that, bring like, that
2: up, it's please. It's like Chris Rose, you know, who works here. Oh, and, that was a we, we see him today. comes by our desk, tough you know, on the way to uh, hosting a show. He's a fellow Browns fan with Mark. He's like, "Hey, what do you think about the game?" Mark. He was like, "Oh, you wanted a commiserate, you know, talk some yeah, like, yeah yeah, 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 Browns and narrative." Like, I, I don't think, I, I don't think oh, that's no, that there. is there. not again so. match the
1: enthusiasm at all. In fact, he threw a big wet blanket on it. Shook, you know that this is just simply a narrative. I was, I that's was exactly in, what, in, what happened. I was, <laughs> enga- I was engaged in something else. What do you want you me to dance around the office like anywhere? I was engaged in something else. and i told him i said i don't know if i trust this team but it's sort of what dan just said this was a signature win for kevin stefanski
0: is what i said to him well and i know you said the team isn't very good also and then chris rose's lights got turned. no on top of it i chris rose and i like you know we'll
1: dm about the browns here and there so i know that we'll pick up the conversation i was engaged in something else that i
3: needed to handle time sensitive
0: nature he learned his lesson There's there's
3: one rule. Yes. One rule about Sessler and excitement. If you want to get excitement from Sessler in the office, he's got to come to you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. You understand me. You understand my nature.
3: Thank you,
0: Shook. Let's move on. He's got to come to you. That's an interesting take. That's, that's That's an excellent take is what it is. And I'm not surprised. Don't go to Mark. To the left. Bridgewater deep drop. Sets home run ball left side. He wants Patrick. (laughs) Patrick is there. Makes the catch in Denver with another touchdown. 34 yards. Whoa, Dave Logan. KOA with the call. Teddy Bridgewater threw for a touchdown. Had a QB sneak score as well. And the Broncos. All right. This is, again, football's tough to figure out. Broncos shut down the NFL's top offense. A 30-16 win, ending the Cowboys' six-game winning streak. And forget that final score. That was garbage time Uh, theatrics. Lipstick on the old hog. Because this game was 30-zip in the second half. Greg, the NFL has a way of humbling us all when we think we know too much. Here was an example.
2: Well, unless what you know is that Teddy Bridgewater is going to give it his all, you know, in a tough spot that I know. No, I I am back in now. I'm kidding. I haven't been more surprised by a result this season. I'm totally joking Uh, on defense. Wait till the next game. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Defensively, especially I've been on the corner. I think their offense has been efficient enough. And that Teddy's been good enough. He's been about as good as they could have hoped He's for. fine, right?
0: That's that's always been At, the conversation, right?
2: And I and I think their offense has been fine. I expected it to be a top five defense when they've been a bottom five or seven defense all year. I've been totally confused, and yet for the first, I think six drives of this game, you know, the the Cowboys had four first downs. At one point, it was three hundred and ninety something in yardage to one twenty. Like this was just a total. Um, domination, mostly by the Broncos offense on, in terms of the Cowboys offensively, it was a lot of mistakes. It was some drops on third downs. Uh, It was some curious play calling uh, going for it on fourth down, but then throwing the ball. One time it got tipped one time. It it was a strange play call and Dak just missed uh, an open CD lamb down the field. Uh, Another time uh, it was a drop. So it was like everything that could go wrong for the Cowboys did go wrong. I know they didn't have, Uh, Their left tackle, Tyron Smith. But I just didn't think that the Broncos had this kind of game in them. Yeah. There was no evidence of that. Right. They have Jerry Judy back, and he looked, to me, better than he did a week ago in his first game back from injury. And he makes a big difference. Teddy was absolutely on point and made some great throws. But they were missing a lot of people, too. They were missing Garrett Bowles, their left tackle. They were missing Noah Fant. Von Miller. Not even healthy. Right. They were missing their best pass rusher, Malik Reed, Not just Von Miller. And yet, they came out here, and uh, they had... Vic Fangio feeling, like, oh, ultra confident. Uh, Ricky, they they asked. I, it was just a classic Vic Ooh. Fangio press conference answer <laughs> after the game. Can't uh, wait. It's going to be a treat. That I really, really enjoyed.
0: Your, your corners had to play some one-on-one coverage. What do you think of how they matched up with their receivers? Oh, for 56 minutes, it was a goose egg. You can answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep Fangio in a big chair. We can't lose him. We can't lose him. I he, like Vic, Some Broncos the,
1: fans might disagree with you, but he was uh, on the enough.
2: sideline celebrating like he was loving this. His guys, Kyle Fuller, his cornerback who we brought in, had a great game. He gave him a game ball like all the all the secondary players. I really think the game plan worked well. And when they suggested that to Dak Prescott, that they kind of confused Dallas. He was like, I hope someone runs that game plan every week
0: against us. He was mm, very, he was defensive. Yeah, you look it. at the Cowboys. Uh, on offense, at least, it's all about, you know, those big names. And I look at the big names, Dak 19 of 39. At 1.8 of 24 for 102. And that was mid-fourth quarter. These two garbage time things changed. Yeah, 75
1: even, yards in the first half.
0: Yeah, even with the garbage time touchdowns uh, to Malik Turner, by the way. So they didn't even help anybody's fantasy team. He still averaged less than six yards per attempt. Zeke, I guess, Greg, you could tell me, got game scripted out of this. 10 for 51. And then you look at CD Lamb. Two for 23 on nine targets. Cooper, two for 37 on five targets. Whatever Denver did, and this reminds me of a, a few weeks ago uh, when the Chargers got shut down um, and you thought to yourself, hmm, does that give uh, the rest of the league some tape to study? I mean, every team in the NFC is studying this game tape and seeing if they could do something to flummox the Cowboys the way they got flummoxed tonight.
1: Yeah, except here's what I'm going to do take nothing out of it um while i while i think it's something that you could say we've waited for this from denver where this is what we some of the games we thought we'd get there's no evidence to suggest this is you know a team that found a way to unspool the cowboys and it's going to happen week after week dallas will bounce back denver will revert to what they were mm-hmm. before probably but at the same time i'm just saying i'm protecting myself from you know, getting swept up in like yeah. narrative tornadoes all Denver's week long defense you know. has played better for
2: two weeks so i think i think it's they possible. played well against Washington. That, that Fangio's defense can at least settle down and be okay. And another five win AFC team. If Pittsburgh wins on Monday night,
0: nine teams in the AFC will have five wins. I'm with, I'm with Mark. I'm with you on the Broncos. It doesn't change much about how I feel. I still see them as a 500 team around there. Uh, The Cowboys. The only thing it does tell me is they are capable of a stink or two. And it's also coming off last Sunday night, Halloween night, when we all got super pumped up and excited, it's like wow, even with Dak Prescott out, they are such a well built team that you could plug in a Cooper Rush and they're gonna deliver a big performance on the road. So to lay a stinker like this, thirty zip in the fourth quarter at home makes you think. Okay, the Cowboys maybe have not built a perfect machine. Maybe they're capable of disappointing and coming up small at some point. It's just a, it's a little, you know. It is. I third- would
1: say if you Denver had forty-one minutes of time of possession, which I think it it was like sixteen years since they've had that. I mean, so if you if the next team has the ball for forty-one minute, minutes against Dallas. Your your it, fortunes will be nice. It
2: was a bit of a, like a, a ball rolling down the hill type of game where Denver's offense took such control early, putting up 17 points in the span of three drives where Dallas was making mistakes that suddenly it's like Dallas got
1: totally out of their game plan and uh, didn't know what. And time. Chris Rose, by the way, did predict yes. that Javonta Williams will win Kyle Brandt's angry runs award and i think he's right watching
0: a couple of um is this your way of trying to make it up to chris rose by the way like no no,
1: because you know what i don't know why every this is the the, between the two of you every episode you try to get me into hot water with some other media figure inside the building it was just a good story and anyone and anyone hear the behind the scenes anyone armed with logic knows that it is nonsense
0: I, you're asking us if you ice out Chris Rose right in front of us for us not. It was
1: not up an ice show. out. Like with anything, it's like we talk now. We'll talk a couple times other during the week. It's he's a friend, and I'm I am it insulted wasn't so much by your insinuate. Like an ice out as
2: as more of just like a disappointment for him. It was like, hey, bro. It was like he it was like he went for a big high five. And he was also like, uh, cool far school. from
1: our cubes. Lo- I'm not going to get into it. There's a whole like you have if you were there. I think you would think. Maybe Mark has a point here. I, I am glad you brought up
2: uh, Javante Williams. <laughs> Quick, just that this was, I think Vic loved this game so much because they finally ran the ball. 190 yards on the ground. I think Williams and Melvin Gordon are a very good tandem. There is a chance that this offense could be decent
0: okay. down the stretch. That's all. All right. That's all. Let's take a break and then get into <laughs> an even more shocking outcome. <laughs> With seven seconds left, there's the snap. One step gets it off. Nobody back for Buffalo. The ball is going to hit. And bounce, and the clock's gonna run, and the clock's gonna run out, and Jacksonville has defeated the Buffalo Bills nine to six. The first
1: actual home win for Urban Meyer, actual home win
0: for Trevor Lawrence in this stadium. Jacksonville wins it nine to six over perhaps the best team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. Coster bongos. Calls for bongos. Frank Frangie, W O K V. You know why it calls for bongos? You know what that was. What? Walk oh. off punt, bitch! <laughs> Josh Allen stepped up with a huge performance in the Bills game today. But it wasn't the Josh Allen you expected. The Jaguar star linebacker intercepted a pass. Registered a sack, recovered a fumble, and the Jags get the big stop at the end of the game, a 9-6 upset of the Bills, the class of the AFC, or so we've been led to believe. Mark, what happened here?
1: It's it's more evidence of a totally bizarro Sunday. I, it, th- I, this was one where I was I was covering this, thinking oh, the Bills are somehow going to score thirty eight points. It, it, they're just getting off to a very slow start. They never warmed up. This was a game where the Jacksonville Jaguars on offense had a killer scenario where Matthew Wright, their field goal kicker, decided not to be a field goal kicker and missed two of them on one drive. Trevor Lawrence left the game with an ankle injury that looked pretty grisly, but then returned. Both teams had 132 yards at the half. And I think the Bills... Banged up on the offensive line. Spencer Brown was out. John Feliciano was out. They lost Zach Moss. And you know whether those were the reasons or whether Jacksonville's defense finally just shined. They put it on to the Josh Allen on the Buffalo side, and it was Jacksonville's Josh Allen who, you know, it's not this game. He's he had ten and a half sacks last year. He is a star, like you said. He totally showed up and dominated this game it was Dwayne Smoot as well uh, they they just put Buffalo into a place we've seen this when they played Pittsburgh and you thought well it's the Steelers this came out of left field and I cannot find a way to explain this other than the fact that maybe the Jaguars are slightly growing uh, but I'm not going to do that either because we just said we're not doing that with the Broncos they but it's terrible last week w-
0: in Seattle it's, the NFL. Th- it's the, the NFL the Seattle
1: game especially you like it makes no sense looking at what happened today I you know, maybe these teams that we're putting up in the top three, four, five in the league, you just have to, they're gonna, well, you have to give them a mulligan. What's but, the AFC?
0: Like, what is AFC right now? It is an LSD soup. Like, because we don't know. Nothing makes sense. If Buffalo, the team that we've all pumped up as the favorite in this conference, is capable of a, a game like this and, you know, closer inspection. And I know what DVOA says, and I know what this says and what that says. The Bills are having a sneaky, a little bit of a weird season in some ways. And they, at five and three... All of a sudden they have a one game lead in their division. The Patriots are hot and they're right on their heels. And Greg, again, same thing like with the Cowboys. If you can lose this game, you could get beat any week. They're they're kind of their armor takes a hit here.
2: Oh, no doubt. I mean, to lose to the Jaguars is crazy. I think what you can say about the bills, that's more than just a reaction to one game is that their offense is not as explosive and not as effective as it was a year ago. Not even close, right? It's, it's a good offense. It's, you know, if uh, like if you look at DVOA or EPA or whatever, it's an above average offense, but it's not a top 10 offense. And that was what you expected. We've seen these stretches even in the good Josh Allen games like a week ago where they go cold for a while, where they go cold for a half at a time. You expected them to come out of it today because they're going against a defense that's basically last in every ranking, uh, but they didn't. And I'm, I'm, I'm flummoxed. I'm sure you were.
1: And I am, well, I I I I picked this cuz I thought it was going to be an easy to watch blowout and instead it's, you know what,
0: it was this. <laughs> that tends to happen as well <laughs> in our league and I kind of joked about it entering this uh the week of, you know, Stefan Diggs. Was there a more sure bet in fantasy circles entering this year? Go grab Stefan Diggs and never worry again about that position as long as he stays healthy. And I think that's a big part of what's missing with this offense. It's it's not that simple. But every time they needed a big play last year, Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs, they were always there for each other. And it's just been, and I know his numbers don't look terrible, six for 85, but this—that I think some of that came late. Mark, you could maybe shine a light oh, on that. Oh, yeah, he, no, I, completely. He's just, he's just not the same game-changing presence on that offense. Maybe there's an injury involved. Maybe it's defenses adjusting after an offseason of tape, but there's something off there. Well, and
2: Beasley gets 11 targets for 33 yards in this game. They have faced a lot of what the Chiefs have faced in terms of the defensive scheme they're going against. I'm not, I'm not like Brandon Staley here, like cracking down the X's and O's. But when you watch the Bills and you watch the Chiefs, you know generally teams are playing the Bills kind of like the Chiefs, which is with the two safeties back and daring them to run. And similarly to the Chiefs, they're, the quarterback is now having a lot of you know short completions. Josh Allen's YPA is going way down. He's throwing a lot of passes that aren't getting a lot of yards and they're still refusing to run. They they ran 9 times. Their running backs ran 9 times today for 22 yards. So that hasn't been able to get unlocked for them and it it's a fairly similar problem that 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 Buffalo and Kansas City. Are
1: they from. also had 12 penalties and I know that we kind of like penalties don't get discussed much but they were just simply not disciplined today. And I you know, Sean McDermott brought that up. He was like we, we didn't have our act together on that front. And you, you just they were killing themselves here and there. That said, Jackson Miller was two for 13 on third down. Oh, right. There's no excuses to, to lose this.
2: Years. I mean, I'm waiting for Mark to finally start crowing about the whole Josh Allen on Josh Allen thing. You know, he well, got I mean, a lot of grief D- for Dan, that.
1: Dan is very down on it, saying, I think something only uninteresting people are into this. Well, you know, I thought it took over the day a little bit because it wasn't he just... Was ahead of the story, at least.
2: He was there, ahead of the well, story. Well, it's a non-story. I it's, guess. It is like,
1: a story because I think... The, I think he was the much better Josh Allen today, which very few people would have thought that would have been right. the case. He's but that wasn't your a, analysis. No, but it, you got to be He's fair. a wonderful player. <laughs> you said that for this to
2: come through, that he needs to make like a big time play, like a sack or a, I a said forced fumble. Yeah, you said for it to really matter, <laughs> remember, but. Josh Allen actually has to sack. Not only did he sack him, but okay. he got an interception and <laughs> right. he got a fumble recovery. He kept topping he's himself. Literally, oh, never yeah. had an interception or a fumble recovery in his life, and he had both of them. Josh Allen on Josh. All they right.
1: did ask him after the game, like, do you? Some, you know, the typical reporter question, like, hey, when you like have grandkids, are you going to tell them that like Josh <laughs> Allen sacked Josh Allen, and will that be confusing to a grandkid? And like, the, he's like. I honestly have not thought that far ahead on this this story, which is a very fair response.
0: I, I guess I I
1: guess I lost. I don't. I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were
1: disinterested. You're allowed to be, but you know it coming my, a little hard. At, know, the
0: for the people that were obsessing with the idea that there could be two Josh Allens on two different teams in the NFL. I say there's so much more in this world. Seek it out. Seek out one.
1: I know, but you tweeted at me like go, go seek wonderment. It's like, by the way, I'm pretty good Wait, at doing that in my own I, life. I, I like,
0: replied saying. to you, yeah. you, your tweet, you listen, Mark, you're the king of the subtweet. We yeah, all know uh, it. Of course. Josh Allen sacks Josh Allen. Don't care if you like it or not. Now, who was that directed toward? <laughs> oh, that was not a, that was absolutely. <laughs> put, a, di- put a name on that it. That was absolutely That's directed
1: like. <laughs> at you because you did not at me at this. And I am going to find this before we like, hold on here. <laughs> so many tweets from you today. Please hold on. What think I gotta cycle down through 4,000 Sam Darnold tweets? But uh, I'm doing my job. That's how it works. I will co- I will find it at some point. I oh, can't even I, find I
2: can, it. Oh I in like I don't know how Mark could have how this could have gone any better is what I'm saying. This right. was literally the best game of Josh Allen career, the, the Jaguars. So just
0: right. Just I agree. I just, I'm just, i not sure In what it means. Spot. In a big spot. It, but I, I, I guess I lost. Mark put the heat on him and he came through. <laughs>
1: it's like he showed up at the most perfect time to do what, you're everything. You're
0: still scrolling, but you can't, what is it? What are you looking for? I don't know. Can we move on and when Mark finds it, he can rejoin us. Ryan's going to hang it downfield for Patterson, who makes the catch. Cordero stays in bounds. 20. Knocked out of bounds at the 15 yard line. Holy smokes. Matt Ryan looped one down the far sideline, and Cordero Patterson comes through again. What? Did you find it? Yeah. What is it?
1: You want to talk about a subtweet? First yeah. of all, like, <laughs> this is someone else that just, you know, just a nice person. Andy S. 38. Six three, trying to get you engaged and have some fun with you yeah. about the Josh Allen scenario. And your response was in all capitals, like an old school headline: "Boring facts for uninteresting people." Which I was like, "You're calling me uninteresting because I've already brought this up as I didn't subtweet
0: you." you yes, you I did. was. Rep- I was replying to I, that guy. I,
1: well, you are and not. You were you, on you the could. tweet, so
0: actually, well, it that it's still it is
1: you. a it is a version of a subtweet. So I don't need to like say, "Hey Dan Hansis, here's my
0: thought on the matter." You know what I'm coming at there are two Josh Downs. you win <laughs> Matt Ryan hit Earl Patterson for a 64 yard gain with just a minute to play setting up the man the machine we saw him up close in London Young Way Koo who drilled a 29 yarder as time expires the Falcons beat the Saints 27-25 this one hurt Rosenthal Greg in a game between two bitter rivals, the Falcons dealt New Orleans a painful setback in the first game of the post-Jameis era.
2: If you're looking for a game pass watch, uh, I recommend this one. Oh, okay. I know it took a little while to warm up, but it was good, dumb fourth quarter fun for the whole family. <laughs> I mean, the, the Saints scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, to make this interesting. The Falcons, who have been outscored by 45 in the fourth quarter, like almost collapsed again. But when it came down to it, Matt Ryan looks over to his right. He sees Corderell Patterson. He sees him matched up on Paulson Adebo, a rookie corner. And that's like basically a running back. Mm-hmm. And you would think like, okay, that's that's not a bad matchup for the Saints. Patterson kind of fakes inside a little, gets outside, and it and Ryan hit him with a perfect pass. And it was... Almost a mirror play of the first drive of the game where Ryan also saw one-on-one coverage of Patterson on the outside. That time he was on a linebacker. Quan Alexander hit him for a a nice game that ended up setting up a field goal. And it's just like Corderell Patterson's season. If he's not running, which he didn't today very well, he's catching six for 126. He really was the difference uh, in that moment, or the Falcons would have had one of their ghastliest losses since twenty-eight to three. I feel
0: I feel good for them that they avoided that. Yeah, and Cordell. I mean, this is the guy that people have been trying to unlock for years. So I think we've had some like good-natured conversations about where we're at on Arthur Smith and the state of the offense of the Falcons this season. I mean, the one thing that cannot be debated: being able to turn Patterson into a legitimate weapon. Whether it's the path, because you said he's technically a running back, I still don't really see him that way. His his size, he's and doing. His build. He's like lining up as a. So running when he back, lines up more, outside, yeah. he doesn't seem like he's at a place in, in that position. He's just he's just a versatile, great player, and it's kind of amazing. It's taken this long for someone to figure him out and use him in this way.
2: It also was a terrible defensive play by Adebo who. Um you know, our, our friends at the Saints Twitter podcast calls uh, don't vax me, bro. It was a it was a bad <laughs> week for unvaccinated players because, uh, you know, a Debo wears the goat horns here, you know, ruining what was a truly ridiculous comeback by Trevor Simeon and the Saints. The score was 24 to 6 with 10 minutes to go. And the Saints offense had not shown a ton of life in this game. And they go touchdown touchdown, touchdown uh, with their defense also complying and getting the ball back quickly at, at a moment where you kind of thought they were going to go to Taysom Hill for good because they, they Trevor Simeon was struggling. Taysom Hill came in, made a couple plays, and then Trevor Simeon turned the ball over. But Sean Payton actually stuck with Simeon, and he led them all the way back. And if it wasn't for a Falcons injured player mm. on a running play that ended up – causing a timeout i don't know if they would have had enough time because i don't know if they were going to use that timeout uh but it gave matt ryan enough time to get the game winner
1: it i mean the falcons you're four and four you're one game behind the saints you just beaten them like i this team looked awful early early in the year i do believe in their offense i just think that it's not that it's all going to happen this season but matt ryan has acclimated pretty well and yeah, know a great you know, game right he, i just you really played well today but this is Greg's dream because this is his NFC South, you know. I well, tell you, it's the best the rivalry in,
2: in the NFL. I did want the Saints yeah. to win. But Mark c- can tell you, I was enjoying it. failing And even at the
0: end of the <laughs> game, I w- it still was fun. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big win for the Falcons and, and the Saints. I guess it's a good, if you're looking for, Greg, the, the plus side, is that Trevor Simeon has that in him to go get, stack some points and get him back in the game. Because I don't think we'd even seen any evidence of that until this point, really. Uh, but otherwise, that's that's a that's a tough loss for the Saints at home. It's a tough I mean, I
2: just think it's hard to count on your defense to just shut teams down week after week. And I know they've got a pretty good defense. But when, when you said like you believe in this Falcons offense, I do if they're playing a team that doesn't rush the passer naturally that well. And I, I'd have to throw the Saints in that category. Like, ultimately, they've been a de- they're have been they good defense, but they're not good winning one-on-one matchups up front, and so that gave Matt Ryan enough time.
1: That said, I thought, you know, three days ago that we looked at the Panthers-Falcons game, and we looked at the Saints defense and thought they're going to have a field day against Atlanta. And it it just... Absolutely. It, it not, there is nothing that seems predictable.
0: I mean... Well, their quarterback situation, though the Saints, it's it's hard to.
1: But they put up twenty five. You put, I mean, it's like they, it's, you know, they didn't put up ten points.
0: I'm just saying that the the idea that they were going to light up the Falcons, they need to prove that they can move the ball. I, I meant points. more their defense yeah.
1: shutting down the Falcons, and that and that did not happen. And it it tells me that Arthur Smith, you know, that they hired him for this, and you're starting to see it.
0: Tricky. It's a tricky spot for the saints here. They're five and three and we'll get into it more later in the week, but they have two road games coming up next, Tennessee Eagles, then home against bills and Cowboys. So yeah, it's not going to be an easy path. I still like their chances in that, uh, a conference to get a playoff spot but mm. it's
2: going to be tough and, and if you want to watch the game pass I mean you could kind of skip the th- you know the
0: 3-0 first 27 minutes of game <laughs> that's time. great like
2: if, if you really good tip, want good but honestly there were some fun there were some fun plays in there
0: too all right let us now move on and uh, check in on an, another NFC South team this one at home welcome in the hooded one
1: Play fake to Hubbard, Get it. bootleg to the near side for Donald, under pressure, tosses the ball, yeah. by.
0: intercepted by J.C. Jackson, goodbye, <laughs> to the 40, to the 50, down the middle of the field, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, he is end, zone, bound, pick six, touchdown, Patriots! Bob Sochi with the call WBZ, Zolak in there as well, that was the human gate raid you heard. Mac Jones overcame two early turnovers. He threw for a buck 39 and a touchdown, but it didn't have to be about Mac Jones because JC Jackson returned one of three Sam Darnold interceptions for 88 yards and a score. Pats roll 24 six over the Panthers. It's four wins in five weeks, uh, five games for the Patriots. Uh, Let's start here with new England. uh, And there's a lot to break down on the other side, but, We're seeing it again with the Patriots. This always felt, this is why I locked up the Patriots, because it just felt like such a good spot for them that Bill Belichick was going to have this defense ready for uh, Sam Darnold, and that's exactly how it played out. Even with Christian McCaffrey back, the Panthers' offense is completely broken. You don't have any, there's no semblance of a passing game anymore. And you remember last, remember in September when they were going up and down the field and DJ Moore was involved and Robbie Anderson uh, was making plays, and it just seemed like this was going to work. These guys aren't even on the field, it feels like. The only time you saw Robbie Anderson in this game was, when was screaming at Sam Darnold after another interception, and Bill Belichick has Darnold's number, and that's how this game got ugly. Darnold did not let the Panthers be competitive here.
2: Mm. It's been too many games where he doesn't, and, and I know, I'm sure they did some things defensively, but you know I, I watched the interceptions, and Nothing confusing going on there. It's just man coverage. No, he's skittish. Man coverage in kind of showing it before the snap and him making
0: bad decisions and bad throws. Darnold's skittish in the pocket. He's indecisive, and his confidence is low. And I I understand, and you're going to see it this week, and there's going to be talk about it. And Robbie Anderson said after the game, this is a brotherhood, and I was getting on him because, you know, he needed to tighten it up. I think that's what he said uh, on the field when he was screaming at Darnold, but... Sometimes that type of thing is not going to work when you could. Darnold is dejected. You could tell he's in a bad mental place. And I was a little surprised that PJ Walker wasn't in this game uh, because you could tell Darnold was in that headspace that we saw with the Jets a few times, that we've seen earlier this season, where you know it's just going to keep going downhill. And I just don't know what the Panthers are doing going forward. They're in a tough spot now because he's in a really bad place uh, mentally, Darnold. uh, He's not moving this offense. So you wonder if they're gonna, if he's gonna have to make a move, Matt Rule, to keep this locker room. I, I could see that being a situation now.
1: I think so. I mean, I, I thought this was a good spot for the Carolina Panthers, who wanted to be not unlike New England, a team that was going to dominate with the run and kind of keep Sam Darnold out of the mix. The opposite happened today. Like they were completely shut down, and Rule was outclassed by Bill Belichick. And uh, you know, it shows you because. The assessment was we had Teddy Bridgewater, but if we, you know, they wanted other quarterbacks, but you didn't draft Mac Jones, who Matt Rule spent all week saying, Well, I knew Mac Jones was going to be really good in the pros. And you've, you, you basically said, We'll take Sam Darnold over Teddy Bridgewater going into this season. And it's, a, it's a, sort of an example and a picture of how sideways your campaign will go when the quarterback implodes. And Sam Darnold at some point will be benched here. It could even be this week, and he'll never be a starter again. Whoa. Um, well, well, how would you, how would you, and outside of a pinch spot, how would you justify starting him? Right. I
2: I think you're right. I think his, if he wasn't drafted as high and there weren't enough, that many people in the league that believed him in the first place, he probably wouldn't have gotten this long of a run the second time around that said, I don't think they went to PJ Walker in this game possibly because the next time they go to Walker, it's going to be for, you know, ex- in extended period. Maybe he just wasn't ready for that. And maybe we'll be on Tuesday. And based on his answers in the pre post game press conference, he certainly wasn't committing to Darnold for next week. Um, but I-, I think the next time you see PJ Walker, it's not going
0: to just be for a quarter. It'll be for multiple. Games. The the body language on the sideline. It was all there. That at one point, Darnold is off by himself on the bench. And I think Robbie Anderson and maybe another uh, skilled player was sitting next to Walker on the bench and they were commiserating. And it's just, it's it's actually it's tough to see um, as a Jets fan who really wanted Darnold to be a thing. And you thought he had a, a fresh start here and things started so well in Carolina. This is the nadir of his career. And I think it's fitting that it's Belichick who's behind it uh, because he is now I think he's, he's been intercepted nine times and thrown one touchdown pass in four career games against. J.C. Jackson is making himself some money.
2: I, it's he's like the player. I, I hear Patriots people covering them or fans being like, "Oh, he's not Gilmore." Oh, who cares? I mean, Gilmore is a defensive player of the year. This guy is playing at a Pro Bowl level. I don't know if they're going to pay him enough to keep him. He is going to be one of those free agents that just makes. An, Gilmore had another insane, good game, by the
0: way. Right, he did. He had another. It'd be nice pick. to have Gilmore and J.C. Jackson. Imagine that. That would have been uh, <laughs> very special. And a reminder, if it hasn't already been said, that. Yes, the Panthers also picked up the fifth-year rookie option on Sam Darnold. That just They've made some terrible mistakes in the last two years. Your Pats, though, improving every week. They are. They're my team. They're the team of Zeus TL, the Patriots. That's What is happening? And they are making a push Pats for Browns next January week. football. That's a big matchup. All right, let's take a break and then take it home.
1: Dustin Hopkins in just his second game with the Chargers will attempt a 29-yard field goal. With five seconds left for the lead at the uprights to our left. Snap back, ball down, right-footed kick, clears the line. It is good! Two seconds on the clock. The Chargers take the lead.
0: Isaac Lowercron, KYSR, missing Matt Money-Smith. Justin Herbert threw two touchdown passes and ran for a score. And Dustin Hopkins kicked that 29-yard field goal with two seconds to play, leading the Chargers to a 27-24 win over the Eagles. Mark, this is a big win for the Chargers on the road across the country with a big performance from their young quarterback who had been struggling.
1: Yeah, it was two teams I thought that came in wanting to attack things completely differently. I mean, the Chargers had eight drives in this game and so did the Eagles, because the Eagles came out not unlike what we saw against Detroit, when they basically metamorphosized into something completely different. Ran the ball 39 times for 176 yards. Jalen Hurts had a couple big runs down the stretch in this. This game got better and better and more exciting and more alluring as it went on. I mean, it was a bit sleepy early. and you know They held Justin Herbert to three drives in the first half. Herbert, on the flip side, they kind of said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to be obedient. We're going to let you show th- short passes. And you'll just, you'll, you'll as you say, Dan, t- you'll take what we it's give, give you. Mark's kind of game, like a quarterback being told to be obedient. He was, he you know, that? well, he had 38 passes and only six incompletions. But they did, but he kind of said, I'm going to be disobedient. And he did throw a couple deep strikes to Mike Williams. And it worked. And Justin Herbert, I thought, played a really good game. Uh, it didn't, it didn't, you know. For me, Philadelphia, Greg, you've argued that they can get back into this. Three and six, they're in a tough spot. Um, They needed to win this. They needed to win this. This was an ugly loss. But Jalen Hurts does show you something every game. And it wasn't just garbage time today. Uh, I think Darius Slay getting injured down the stretch for... Philadelphia really hurt them a ton. I mean, that was when Los Angeles started to pick up a ton of steam. And early on, I'll just say one last thing: that the that the the Chargers had a drive end on Philly's two yard line, and then another stopped on fourth and two from Philly's twenty-seven because of their go for it on fourth down thing. And there was some squawking, and I think it's fair sometimes to say if you're going to go for it on fourth down this much come up with plays that work because they they showed that they were... <laughs> That's two. the hard part. I know that sounds simple, but it's like they were two for seven and they're just leaving points on the board. Yet, what happened was they came back and went for it again on fourth and one in the fourth quarter and then fourth and inches, Herbert had a sneak basically that kept a, that sealed the game because they would have had to go for a field goal with a minute 45 left or what something. This, if they didn't get that, the Eagles probably win this. That's game. what I'm saying. The way that both teams were driving. So in the end, Staley's aggressiveness that he is relentless with, um, I give it a win because it's how they won this game. But 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 early on, it's like when they were two and seven, it was like one of their plays was Josh Jack, Josh Kelly on a run that just looked like you could have designed something better here. And teams are now keeping the right personnel on the field to deal with fourth downs. They're expecting this to happen. It's a little bit different than a month ago. I get but they it, adjusted. but I
2: think it's knowing what your team is and what your team is on defense is a team that can't get off the field, even against Jalen Hurts. So right, I, I Especially get the it. I get it. You're, they're going to get praised when it goes well and they're going to get... You know criticism when it goes poorly, and they started so well this year that it was almost destined it's, to. Come I almost down feel to earth. like you can't critique but, it at all, though. It's no, like, I,
1: everyone I, must do it all the time, and that's. No, you know, I think I'll, it's different I'll in different, different of situations.
2: At, but, and for a second, I thought they might kick that field goal late, and I was like, "Ooh, Staley's gotten spooked by all the fails." But then he he actually did go for it yet again. I just I think it also depends on who your personnel is, and to me, this Chargers defense has shown no faith. Uh,
0: in trusting them. It's the same. Might as well go with the offense. I was watching the Ravens today. The Ravens do not care. The Ravens could be inside their own 35 down two scores and they're going for it on fourth and two because John Harbaugh at some point or his analytics team made the point say, we are better off risking it, risk the biscuit because we have Lamar and he's going to get those yards and our defense isn't good enough. We got to win with our offense on the field. So I'm all for it, even if it, but you have to be imaginative uh, to to Mark's point as well. Um, And it will be interesting to see where the Eagles go from here. As I understand it, Mark, and maybe you could shine a little more light on it. Jalen Hurts played pretty well in this game, uh, but they have not won a home game yet this year. They're three and six. This is a famously fickle fan base and an owner that's going to be plugged in to have the city and the region feels about the Eagles. They're 3-6, and six, so I think there's going to be – I don't think the Eagles are a playoff team. I think this is an evaluation period for two months now, and the evaluation is going to be on Jalen Hurts, of course, and I just wonder if the evaluation is on Nick Sirianni as well, uh, where the Eagles are right now.
1: I think the only thing, though – I mean, it, I, this was not a, a disastrous game on any level. I don't know – I don't think you like, – yes, you lost, but
0: if Eagles fans are like up in arms about – what they watched, it's it's like, yeah. You, one w- was, the one that threw flowers at uh, Nick as he went in the tunnel after the game, and it wasn't like a beautiful job, Nick Flowers. Right. Uh, but us. that's still a, you know, if you're going to throw
1: something from the stands right. at someone you're angry at, flowers is a bit of a, a mixed message. It was like message. a
0: boutonniere, and I'm like, what, like, why did you have that in the first place? at the loop. They're like, right. just in what case are we, doing here?
2: we uh, are really mad at Sirianni after the game, let's bring flowers because that'll like kind of throw people off. That'd right. have you been can't... Like, pinned to my sports right. coat. It's, like,
1: not, I, it's a very it's, strange It's uh, not uh, batteries
2: movie. and it's like, okay, we can get away with that. And, oh, Eagles fans, oh, you always bring up the battery stuff. Hey, hey <laughs> yeah. how about uh, prevent a quarterback from throwing for 80% against you? I felt bad for Jalen Hurts in their running game. This is the fifth quarterback to complete over 80% of his passes. Like, most of the time Time that's happened in the league this year it's come against the eagles like, and that's the, the book and is that's out jonathan
1: that gannon's defense yeah. and jonathan gannon and brandon staley were childhood friends i learned during this game so a little hey, bit of an extra we
0: didn't boo santa that's erroneous that's an urban legend yeah we had a jail underneath the old stadium but so did your stadium oh
1: i love that thug using erroneous correctly there that was <laughs> i
2: i um college educated you're gonna get Junior sick college. of me saying this this year in the NFC, but it's like, to me, the Eagles are still fairly far from evaluation. When you're like one loss behind the Falcons or, or Panthers for that spot, like all these teams that to Mark's point is are not, are not going to win the Super Bowl. Sure. They're going to be in the mix in like
0: week 50 from evaluation A or ter- from elimination. I'm saying like there's, I guess we're all being evaluated at all times. Right. You're saying, you're
2: saying like they're got, they're looking ahead to
0: next year, but to they, me, they, they don't think it. I can tell you that right. I do. I don't, I mean, I don't. They just seem to be short of the bar. If we're talking about teams that, I'm not saying they're not worth tracking or they're believing in on any level, but I, this seems like a team that has right or, or pull different me, different back, in. Okay, pull so me back in. Okay, Seattle needs to know.
2: step up, and maybe one other team too, or else you know. Right now, we have some really bad looking teams that are in the AFC play.
1: Well, go yeah. make a seventh playoff game, and then be surprised that you get some sort of trash heap playing in January.
0: All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's get to the game we've all been waiting for. With 33 seconds left, back to throw, pressure again, gets it off, touchdown! It's Matt Collins, who makes a diving catch in the back of the end zone, and the Dolphins finally have their first touchdown in the second quarter of this year. There you go, Matt Collins, go down and get it in the end zone, man. Feel the excitement. Jimmy <laughs> Cephalo didn't sound like Jason Taylor, but maybe it was. W-Q-A-M with the call. In the NFL's most turnover-filled game in more than five years, the Dolphins got a touchdown pass from their surprise starter, Jacoby Brissett, and they beat the Texans 17-9 in a game between two 1-7 teams, two teams on seven-game losing streaks. It played out exactly how we all thought. And, Mark, here's a nice little fun fact for you. No players with matching names, but it was Miami's first win while committing at least five turnovers since October 18th, 1990. Wow. I'm stunned. Nine turnovers. Where were you on October 18th, 1990, Mark? (laughs) Camp Happiness.
1: No, 1990? High school?
0: Uh, sophomore year, I believe. Last in NXS out the trunk. You really feel no. the energy in the
2: room when it's t- <laughs> the Texas uh, Kudos to the Dolphins for having, like, a surprise starting quarterback. Doesn't really happen in the year 2021. No one seemed to know that Tua it's Tunga, bad, though. Aloha
0: was going to miss this like, game. the Tua situation's bad because, of, you know, we just finished talking about leading into this game. All right, at least the Deshaun thing gets tabled until after the season go take off to a take flight, give, make him uh, make a difficult decision. And maybe you end up in a better place next year, no matter what, well, he's got to stay healthy. And it's an issue with him. It was an issue in college with the hip injury. He was banged up last year. He's been banged up this year. And um, it's just going to make it harder for him to establish himself there. If he's not playing. I mean, that's, that's six games. He's missed now. Nine turnovers is uh two
2: more than in what many call the greatest game ever played Colts giants. I always think like they'd say oh, it's the greatest game ever played. There were six fumbles in the first half of that game, seven turnovers. Like football wasn't really. Yeah, you know, I don't know. If
1: I've heard this before from Greg, and he's, I like he's to, correct. I, he's I like correct. to bring it out once every so
0: while. Gets, once there's a huge turnover game, do you think uh, you know the Giants being on the winning end of that game, it maybe plays into your hatred of it as well. No, they lost. You know, Johnny U going down the oh, field look at
1: me. started the legend.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> me, um, overtime. Texas. It's like, and then professional football was born. I thought it was some like, nice
1: black and white photos from that contest. I
0: thought there, there was a goal line sneak. It was Johnny who did it. No, that was, that your... was the, that was the other greatest game of all time. <laughs>
2: I, I believe you're talking about the, the Packers, like the ice bowl, the ice bowl. That's yeah. different. That's
0: there's another uh, one.
2: Giants-Colts was where Johnny <laughs> U goes down you know, in overtime and leads them to the win- the winning thing. And everyone watched on TV, and then people started watching TV. All right.
0: Ricky, can you uh, do some digging on this? Sometimes I don't always trust Greg on the I I stuff, brought up the box is, score to make sure. We we have you as well. On the Colts. I'm what? what, what have well, you're you... on his side on this as well. I, so, I agree
1: yeah. with the idea that the best game ever, having like 200 turnovers, there's some, from a certain point of view, maybe that's not the best game ever.
0: And do you, wanna, do you have anything to add before? Before we move on, Greg, on Tyrod Taylor. You were pretty hot in the pants about Ty God. <laughs> Three picks, sacked five times. Well, you see, um, he had six magical
2: quarters. Now he's got four <laughs> terrible quarters. That aver- It's going to be tough to rank him on QB indexes. Six
0: week. out of ten is pretty good, though. <laughs> I, I know where
2: i put him. I try to do it about, like, what's the average start
0: that you've had? Uh, and he's really been all over the place. NFL's greatest game ever. I mean, I'm taking the L on this. I'm letting you know, but I'm just trying to think: <gasps> is there a different? It's a game. Book. I mean, they they had the book called like the greatest game ever played, and yeah. for
2: for whatever reason, that's the one they called it was. Yeah, it was Johnny, you, know, U. but it was at the goal line, the touchdown that decided the game, right? In over, I think they wanted on a goal line.
0: Run? I don't know I thought it, was, you know, it, thought it was maybe Frank Gifford going over the of pile pile. It could be
1: time to rebrand it was,
0: it was the greatest Al, game. It
2: was Alan Amici with a one yard run in overtime. Oh yeah, he blows but, out that
0: hole. But yeah. it was oh! set up
2: by Johnny U, like a great two minute drive to to tie it, send it to some controversy uh, overtime. on that final play as well, as I recall, that
1: maybe some very much so. Well, I think it you know it split people's opinions.
2: Erica, can you they edit out hold? the last
0: four minutes <laughs> since I brought up this turnover thing? It's sure. my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> uh, all right, let's never talk about that game again. Let's try to avoid talking about those two teams again. Oh, let's take a break and then move it. to Sunday Night Football. Oh, Sunday night. Rush. And that's going to be picked off at the 24 by Byron for the touchdown. Man, oh, it's, it's Keith Jackson. will say, whoa, Yes, Al Michaels with a call for NBC. Matt Stafford threw two interceptions in the second quarter. A second run back, 24 yards to the house by Kevin Bayard. That gave Tennessee a 14-3 lead after the PAT. They never look back. Final score, Tennessee Titans 28, Los Angeles Rams 16. Marron. In In a day and now a night, Greg, of results that sometimes are hard to figure out, I mean, who thought that the Titans were going to go to L.A. and dominate the Rams start to finish? Justin Graver did. Actually, he didn't even really feel like he No, he thought that (laughs) Gravedigger, remember, Gravedigger said they were going to lose 38-30, I believe. Something like that. He didn't
2: even have them covering. At least I had them covering. I believed in you, Titans nation. Uh, That's what this is really about. Greg picking the Titans to cover. Uh, The the truest words I thought said today or on the broadcast were Al Michaels to Jeffrey Simmons in the elevator where he said, like, if you have a big game, like you're going to you can make the Pro Bowl off of that. And that was it. Jeffrey Simmons made the Pro Bowl tonight. I mean, he should have made it uh, with his work over the last seven or eight games. But that first half was as dominant a performance by a defensive lineman in any game. He sort of took the game over. Denico Atri, you know, was kind of a nice Robin to his Batman, but. I don't know if defense matters in terms of like one defense can dominate week after week after week. But you certainly get defenses that can make enough plays and dominate in a certain matchup. And the Titans defense won this matchup. They did it.
1: Yeah, I thought this was like a Mike Vrabel fever dream, the way that the first half played out. And, you know, the Rams, uh, you know, you got you got they were uncharacteristic. You got the uncharacteristic back to back drives with the picks by Stafford. Uh, they didn't really get out of their own out of their own way in the first half. I thought they adjusted well to get him to get Stafford out of the pocket in the second half, and, and they and they they crawled back to life a little bit. But touchdown touchdown drives or would be touchdown drives were field goal drives. And if someone told me going into this night that you know outside of a late touchdown, Adrian Peterson would largely flop, the run game wouldn't work, the Titans would have 194 total yards at 3.5 yards per play. I would have thought this is a Rams steamroll operation, but they found another part of their team, their defense to totally step up. And they just completely dominated the Los Angeles front in the first 30 minutes and then hung on for the ride.
0: It it was a bury the ball game for the Rams. I think it's, you know, some losses like some of these Cincinnati losses is an example Uh, The last two weeks, you start to go like, ooh, what's going on here? Um, The Rams, it just feels like sometimes with teams, you know, even the good ones, the stars aren't aligned right, and you just don't play your best game. And that's not taking anything away from the Titans because I think they kind of put their will on the Rams, and that played a huge role in this. But the Rams also getting penalized 12 times for 115 yards. That's not the Rams. Um, Like you said, Stafford with those two killer interceptions that set up 14 points, that's not the Rams. And, um, you know, so Los Angeles will have better days. I think they'll bounce back from this. They'll get Von Miller in the lineup as soon as next week. But the story here is the Titans. And, um, you know, Greg, you tweeted about it uh, as the fourth quarter kind of took shape and we had a a better idea uh, of what was going on here. Over the last four weeks, uh, the Titans have beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Colts, and now the Rams. And they did it. Uh, tonight in primetime on the road with Derek Henry uh, in a cast on his foot. So we're at the point now where there's, you know, they've checked every box um, and you could say, well, it's just one game without Henry. It's going to catch up to him maybe, but they just seem to be playing so well and have so much confidence. And most importantly, They've found some figure out some things out on defense that has been long been an issue for them, especially, pe- you know, getting to the quarterback. That has been a problem for them for years. The back end hurting them. And a lot of that was because they couldn't get pressure through a natural pass rush. All that is changing now. And it seems like it's a more well-balanced team. They have more sacks this year
2: than they did all of last year. And Autry, Harold Landry and Simmons are a great trio. They could get healthier in the secondary. I don't think they're going to be a dominant defense week after week, but the thing they do well is game plan for that particular week. And when you think about like those four wins, they were all in such different ways. And they do remind me a little bit, you know, of, of other Titans teams, but also of Patriots teams. because rabel Vrabel's got that, that DNA in them that it's like, they're, they're different depending on what you need. They need to be in a particular week, but they have the ability to be very complete. He has a winning percentage now of over six thirty as a, as a pro that as a pro head coach, like Mike Vrabel's figured out a way in weird ways to win a lot of games.
1: I also think Kevin Byard, who doesn't get a lot of attention. It's like every week he seems to make game changing plays. I mean, they just have, you know, stepped up as a defense. And I kind of liked what Chris Collinsworth said about Vrabel at the end of the game, that he's different than other coaches. Um, that he's not one of these, you know, newfangled finesse scheme guys that he just is who he is. And you can kind of see it on the sideline. He just has got a look on his face like he's ready to counter. He's excited to counter Sean McVay with what he does. And I mean, the one thought that I do think that this game could have turned at one point uh, when Stafford, you know, he, he stumbled and he hurt his ankle, but there was a killer roughing the passer, back to back roughing the passer calls. The second one was legit. The first one, give me a break and it, gave, it i mean it 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 gave them new life like i just it happens
0: it happens too much in our league uh the and i know it's all about protecting the quarterbacks and the league is all about the quarterbacks but especially when you throw that flag and that was they're off the field the rams and they're still not in a good spot they probably i would say at that point if you check those Fugazi websites. I would guess the Titans had like an 85% chance of winning at that point, but there was still yeah, a Yeah, they're chance. down two touchdowns at that they're point. They're down two I, touchdowns. I know, but it's still but it's like, yeah. That's Donald and Collinsworth put it well. Like, that's, you know, 285 pounds of mass in a full sprint after the quarterback. And he's in the process of pushing his arms out as Tannehill's falling through on the throw. So to, to, to ding him on that, on a third down where they're getting off the field, that that kills him. But it was the
2: equivalent of Stafford throwing that interception. I mean, that's the only thing I have a, a lit. I pushed back a tiny bit. It was obviously a terrible call and there's been too many of these with roughing the passer, but like, there's this weird expectation I feel now, especially just being on Twitter during games. It's like that refs are going to get everything right. It's like, of course they're not going to get everything right. We, we, I think it was seeing the game on the field. Like when we were in London, like how do they get any calls right ever? Like the very best in the world, Matthew Stafford is going to totally freak out and have a handful of plays every night where he sucks like th- that first interception was was ridiculous and then the second one he's fooled and like the officials are going to have some plays yeah, where but that, they suck Craig, this like isn't... Sean McVay kicked a field goal down 12 well, we're points like that sucks now. you know what I, I you're mean you're saying I, bad day execution. at the office you're saying no bad I'm saying day at one office. bad I'm saying bad plays like but they're gonna is... have bad
0: plays it's just gonna happen it's not like, 1977 it. anymore we have the tech they in fact have technology now where they can uh, correct things on the field in seconds. It, we've seen it. It's really helped the product this year. That's a perfect thing where New York right. could buzz down and override a personal foul like that. And I think everyone would sign off on it because it just, you can't swing games like that. I, we sh- I don't want us to get bogged down on that because again, the Titans, were are going to win this game either way, but it does, it, it's kind of an ugly thing when it happens. One other name I want to throw out there uh, and then you guys can share your final thoughts and then we'll say goodbye. Um, we talk about Mike Vrabel a lot. We talk about uh, Arthur Smith a lot, and then he got the job in Atlanta, and you've heard Todd Downing's name a lot. You don't really hear uh, Shane Bowen a lot, and that's the Titans' defensive coordinator, and he deserves a ton of credit uh, uh, as much as uh, head coach does, the players. What a great scheme that was cooked up. So the Titans just have it working in all phases right now. They're going to be a top three power rankings team for me in a week where most of the top 10 teams lost in that uh, futile exercise that I go through every week. Uh, the Titans are the one team on, in the AFC that you feel really good about right now.
1: I, my, my one reservation, um, they've earned it, and I'd have no problem with you putting them there. That I look at what they did on offense and how they were limited on offense tonight to some degree against a good Rams defense, but they're going to meet other good defenses. I I leave a little concerned with with what they produced. Uh, you know, that said, like, huge effort and nothing to take, to take nothing away from Tennessee. But, again, under 200 yards uh, is concerning just with the way it unfolded to some it's, degree.
2: It's crazy they won in L.A. easily on a night where A.J. Brown kind of killed them, killed two drives, uh, and they didn't have much of a, a running game, as you mentioned. I did think Julio, even though the numbers didn't pop off, there were two plays in this game where I thought, I was like, ooh, he looks like he looks healthier after having that time
0: off the field. That would bode very well. Had for a killer,
1: ca- a really helpful catch down the stretch too that
0: sealed it. Um, all right, so Collinsworth put it well at the end of the telecast. This league is so weird, isn't it? It was a weird Sunday in the league. Just to like quickly recap: the Packers lost without Aaron Rodgers. The Cowboys got spanked uh, when Dak returned. Uh, the Bills got beat by the Jaguars. The Rams get beat at home by the Titans without Derrick Henry. The saints go down to the Falcons. I mean, it is the Bengals get wiped by the Browns. It's, it's going to be an interesting second half of the year because we don't have a lot of clarity on a lot of the teams in the league. It will be fun, but also maybe a little infuriating uh, for fans of teams, because just when you think you understand your team, uh, the whole thing, the whole thing can flip.
1: I like, I'm not sure it's what I want. Um, the, the totally unpredictable nature where like you feel like a team is this. And it's like the most readable team to me is almost the Vikings because it's like every game of theirs seems to be insane and go down <laughs> to the end. But like, I, I don't know, I guess you just, but that's what makes it, it, it the
0: best product in the country. If, in terms I, I of hear sports. you, but like,
1: but if I'm just told that I'll, I'll accept it and I'll, I'll, I'll share the same message, but I kind of feel like there's no <laughs> dominant team. And to watch like some of these powers, these heavies get waxed the way they were today, it's a little destabilizing in terms of what we like confidently project mm. going into next week. But I think you know what? We shouldn't have been confident about what we we're projecting three years right. ago. So that's fine. I,
2: when we always say like we don't know anything and that there, that's well, Greg, you, people. I
1: know you think that you know, I, I don't think that's your take on no, on
2: I'm, I'm point. always saying I don't, I think we know a lot about like the league and how it works and players and all this stuff, but. At no point, whether it's a somewhat unpredictable the year or another year, is anyone consistently good at projecting what happens moving forward <laughs> at all. So, and I don't mean like we are. I mean like literally. There's there's a record out there. Like no one is good at projecting what happens moving forward. Like that's just not going to happen if you like you watch the NFL.
0: Let's let's get back to the serious matter at hand. So because it was a Rams home game, primetime game, we're in the new. Uh, facility that shares it's on the same grounds as the stadium. Um, Mark and I took the opportunity to uh, head back home and do this last game remotely. Greg, you opted to stay behind uh, for matters concerning your setup at home. And it was just better for you to stay there. Ricky, a little farther uh, too, a little farther away, a little further away. Ricky also still at the facility. Now, usually we watch (laughs) the second half of Sunday night football in the theater. Chris Rose is there. MJD is there. Some producers, Uh, are in the room um, after the incident with Mark and Chris Rose earlier today. Was there any type of residual heat uh, connected to that situation? I don't know if it's heat so much as disappointment.
2: You know, you would think after something like that would happen that just man-to-man, like, you know, confront him in the, like, say something to his face, you know, just like sort of repair that relationship, like Mm -hmm. be there. So it's a no-show after that, I think, was tough.
1: So, so, your version of man to man confrontation is that you guys discussed it while I was at my house. No, not man, not in the confrontation, but just like, hey
2: he he did also say how much he missed us last week, remember? because uh, we were home for Halloween, and then you you kind of jilted him at the altar again. Well, so, I, can't,
1: I, I
0: hear but you. But we had good, good male you know. bonding, you know, I, I got to do that. So that was fun. I like when you have traditional male bonding, Greg, <laughs> you know that. And Mark, on an otherwise uh, perfect Sunday, this was the lone blemish, but certainly doesn't sound like anything that can't be corrected with a, a real honest conversation.
1: Well, it's a totally pre-cooked um, scenario that I'll play along with for your giggles and enjoyment. But I am confident that my relationship with with – uh, chris Rose, who i've you know had a good relationship with for years, is not going to be body rocked because I you know like had a short Browns conversation with him that will precede other conversations
0: you were short with him during the conversation. manufactured <laughs> joke
1: that again, again that is your take, and like there are other takes beyond what the two of you say in terms of directing my life um from a to b to c nonstop
0: <laughs> very good um <laughs> All right, and and not only the Browns, Mark, um, uh, and not only Colt McCoy, and you got a big W. I'm gonna, I, I concede big W to you on the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen situation. Josh Allen had a good game against Josh Allen. Therefore, the two Josh Allens having the same name is really cool. So I concede that as well.
1: Hyper relevant today.
0: All right, you know what's coming next. Tuesdays, the next time you. Uh, We'll hear from the Bozos. We'll have uh, the great Cynthia Freeland joining us to take a look at what comes next. you know this is actually very great timing, Greg, uh, because we don't know what's going on. Uh, we can' mm. you can't project forward. Well she has a machine. she keeps it it's actually in her bedroom, which is interesting. Um, and she pumps she puts things into the machine and it pumps out. This is how the NFL is going to play out in the second half. We're going to get some hard answers based on data data, however you want to put I, I will it.
1: Note, I will note that the last time she was on our show, maybe it was, you know, the last time I was on this when she was, I asked her to send me um, a photo of said machine and set up and she promised to and never did. So, I want to follow up on that and uh, see where we are with that.
0: Oof, sounds like another uh, relationship. Well, you know later. Exactly.
1: Like, I'm not going to say a word, actually. This is, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to have any associates by the end of this podcast, please. All
0: right good stuff so we'll be back tuesday uh make sure you check in and thank you to everybody for listening and um that's it dan is signing off for the old boss the quiet storm ricky hollywood Till next time he's a call